Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on November 7th, 2021. Pastor Rem Dias turns to Mark chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 in his sermon titled, Crushing Anxiety.
for us, even though we don't deserve it, we couldn't earn it, we get to take it. And today, we just want to praise your name. We want to lay all of our troubles, our anxieties, the mistakes that we've made, and even our own good things that we've done. We want to lay them out to you, Lord. And we want to take Christ's work today and praise him. So it says, 
draw near to God. And look at it. It comes with a, a promise. And He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. So that is what we're doing right here. We're coming before the Lord and we're saying, hey, we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves again, asking for, for God's grace. So let's take a time of silent prayer and confession, bringing anything and everything to God. Because we don't need to hide anything from you. We know everything. And anything that even was brought to our mind, anything that was confessed right now, or, or maybe they didn't even have time to slow down. That wasn't enough time to sign up for your confession. And Lord, that, that maybe that's coming to their mind now, that God, we can come before you just as we are and fall upon your grace, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be today renewed again, not in of our strength. How, get the eyes off of ourselves. But get the eyes again upon you. And, and God, of, of your amazing, atoning work through Christ. So thank you for the freedom we have in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. So hear the assurance of our pardon now, where it says, in 1 Peter 2, 24-25, Jesus Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Look at that. Bore our sins in his body on the tree. For what reason? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to sing loudly, all right, and unashamed this morning. Um, as we uh, respond with the hand.
Good. All right, there we go. Okay, um, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew today, actually. We're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, you know, as I was, you know, you're like, hey, why, why are we taking a break from Galatians? I think sometimes it's good to break up a book with just different uh, messages on certain topics, things that we might be addressing in you know, we're about to shift in the book of Galatians. Uh, five Chapters 5 and 6 in Galatians are actually these chapters that get really practical. All right? Not that any text is not practical. But, I mean, he really is going to get really in-depth on some, some key issues. And so to prepare ourselves for that, I really wanted to, to look into a text that deals with, um, with, with anxiety, with, with fear, with worry. Uh, because, again, this is... You know, fear and worry and anxiety is something that is just prevalent in our culture and in our uh, in our time. So, uh, Matthew chapter six is where we're going to be. We're going to look at twenty-five through thirty-four. Twenty-five through thirty-four. All right. So I'm reading from the ESV again. So just track with me if you don't have the ESV. Here it says in twenty-five. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they are? And which of you... By being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you a little thief. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm titling this message, Crushing Anxiety. Turn to your neighbor and say, Crushing Anxiety. Crushing Anxiety. And you can hit your fist too if you want, just for fun. We can wake up. Shake it out. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're here. We're here. We're Sunday morning. We're good. All right. Let's pray before we dive into this text. Lord, I am so thankful that, again, your word does the work. And, um, you know, <laughs> who knows? I, 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 maybe even some of us today have come in here uh, anxious about something. Like, literally, um, something that's been bothering them, something on their mind. Uh, and I love it, Jesus, that you have given us your word, and your word does the work, your word speaks to us, and I'm just praying your Holy Spirit would use my words, and, 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 and again, just to help explain this text clearly, that God, it stirs our affection for you, that we leave here in wonder of your amazing grace for us, in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so how many of you have, have ever had gotten worried? You can raise your hand. Ever gotten worried? Okay. How many of you have gotten ever anxious before? Keep them. Okay. All right. All right. For you that don't raise your hand, it, it's, it's okay. You know, this is play. Uh, most of us have done it. Okay. Most of us have gotten anxious or worried. All right. At some point. If you haven't, come talk to me. I want to know what superpower you have. Okay. Because that's, that's just amazing. All right. Uh, but I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable this morning. Uh, anxiety and, and, and getting fear was something I dealt with really, really bad early on in my Christian walk. Uh, matter of fact, one of the first verses I ever memorized was 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 
And I had to memorize this verse because I had to say it over and over and over to myself because I would get anxious and we get anxious and we need to speak the word over ourselves all the time. And so, but what else has actually been finding really like almost kind of like, man, bringing me to my knees in prayer is the fact that our world is so anxious. People are super anxious. Uh, I mean, you just read the studies and it just, it's, it's, it's kind of just like, again, it drives you to your knees because it says, uh, and one in five, one in five uh, adults are dealing with anxiety to a crippling degree. Okay, not just every once in a while, but to a crippling de- degree. And what's even worse is it's even worse in teens. One in three teenagers have some type of anxiety, some type of disorder that we have. And what we're finding is, is that it is continually elevating. It's just continually to grow. Um, as, as the years go on, it's just going up. And even say they're going up to like 20% each year. And so anxiety, it, it, again, anxiety is one of these problems, guys, that really, anxiety is one of these problems that gives birth to a, a, a lot of different problems. It's like a fire that spreads to all different parts of the house. I like what John Piper says on this. He says, think about how many other sins are connected to the root of anxiety. He says, anxiety about money, anxiety about money will cause you to hoard and steal. Anxiety about succeeding will make you irritable and impatient with those around you. Anxiety about relationships will make you withdrawn or indifferent toward other people. Anxiety about what others think about you will make you tend to lie or maybe even stretch the truth. And then he says, if anxiety could be conquered, a mortar blow would be struck to many other sins. I could not agree more with that statement. And what I find today in our text, and what is so amazing about our text, and so amazing about Jesus, guys, is Jesus addresses the most personal issues of our lives. He is not a God that's off over here and like, oh, we just come here on Sunday morning and it's just like some mystical thing up in our minds and it's not really personal. No, Jesus gets down right into our, our hearts. And like the context, this is the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is just really laying it out upon the people. You talk about, you think I preach long. Oh my goodness, like this was his long sermon. And Jesus spent most of his time, like right here, this could be, some argue that these are the most important verses on the Sermon on the Mount. What do they deal with? Anxiety. He's talking to fear and worry. So again, Jesus is addressing one of the most important issues of our life. And I want to make one caveat, though, because I think when we talk about anxiety, <coughs> or a big topic like this, I understand, guys, that there's, this is a, a complex issue. Like, there are legit maybe chemical things that happen in people's brains or maybe really traumatic experiences that, you know, and what I'm saying this morning is I'm not, I'm not throwing out good Christian counseling and, 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 and dealing with anxiety. What I, really want to, what I really want to hit this morning is the root cause, the spiritual root cause of anxiety and how, how addressing the spiritual issues can help crush and get rid of this anxiety. One more caveat that we need to get at. One more side note. Is this word anxious? Because some of you might have an NIV and it reads worried. Okay? And so what this word, which one is it? Anxious or worried? Because to, to me, those two things are like totally two different things. Well, the Greek word here is, is, is it gives the definition of a divided mind. A divided mind. And so... The understanding that, I mean, so it's a mind that's divided. So it is not just, I'm not saying this morning that you should never have concern. That's not what this is saying. That we, we, we should be concerned about certain issues, but this is concern on steroids. This is like concern where now I'm laying at bed and I cannot go, I, I can't go to sleep because I am entangled. I am just constantly, like, I got my chest is heavy. I just feel the weight of where I feel the weight of what's going on. Here. And so that is, uh, that's the definition that we're going to, um, that he is saying here. Okay, so again, um, sermon in the sentence, again, is that Jesus, okay, Jesus it wants to crush anxiety by focusing, by focusing our eyes on his glory. Okay, Jesus wants to crush anxiety in our life by focusing our eyes on His Word. 
Alright, so he's going to give us many different arguments throughout this passage. As we go through it, he's going to give us many different arguments of, of, of ways and how anxiety can be crushed. Alright, so we got, there's, there's, there's a lot of them, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one of them. You're like, oh my goodness, you got six points today, man? Woo, we've got community, man. Like, okay, we're going to go through them quick. Are we tracking? You guys alright this morning? Alright, here we go. Okay, alright. Brent's tracking. Okay, here we go. Argument number one, verse 24. Look at it here. You're like, wait, we didn't read this verse. Yeah, um, but stay with me. Verse 24, a materialistic view. A materialistic view of life leads to anxiety. A materialistic view of life leads to anxiety. Now, I have looked at this passage so many times, and I can tell you I, I never got the link of how uh, verse 25 starts. Look at verse 25. It's, it starts with a therefore. A therefore. Now, a quick little Bible study tool that you can put in your back pocket, all right? I'm going to teach you something this morning. Anytime you see a therefore in your Bible, circle it and say, what? What is it there for? Yeah. There's a therefore circle. What is it there for? Because that's a really important thing. Why would he start a sentence with therefore? Because he's linking something. He is pointing back to what he had just said. And what he had just said in 19 through 24 is he had just addressed the fact that there are people that are, that are banking on their bank account. He is literally saying that, man, that there are, you can't serve both God and money. He, he's just, he just addressed a materialistic view of life. And this is very important because, again, these two ideas of, of, of thinking so much about materialism and then how that breeds into anxiety is very important. One author, uh, Kent Hughes, says that Jesus here in verse 25 addresses the trinity of concerns. And I couldn't be more, it, it's true. The trinity of concerns is what you eat, you drink, and what you wear. A lot of people worry about what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. And which, what I found very interesting studying this text is that sci like, people have studied, um, scientists and, and cultures and psychologists have studied uh, cultures and countries. And what we have found is that, this is just amazing to me, that lower income countries, lower income countries have lower anxiety. The more, the more a country has more stuff, the more you have. And this is just crazy, isn't it? It's like when we think, oh yeah, these, these things are going to make me happy. No. The lower income countries have lower anxiety, and the more we have, the more anxiety is knocking at the door. And so materialism and consumerism is hard for us, though. Is it not? Like, am I the only one that lives in this country? I'm like, oh my goodness. Ah, this is super hard. Like, let's just be honest. Let's be transparent here. How many of us have ever had to worry about the next meal or the next food or the next thing? We don't. And why we, I think we need to hear this is the idea because we think, we think we need a lot of stuff. And I started thinking about this. Why, why do we think we need to have a lot of stuff? And I think it's this idea of keeping up with the Joneses idea. Like, let's just be like, I'm going to be a little blunt this morning. Like, we, we look around, right? Like, especially sometimes, like, we look around and we think, oh my goodness, they got that car? My neighbor's got this car? I need to get this car. Oh, they got this stuff? Their kids are in this program? Oh my gosh, I've got to get this stuff. And I gotta, we, are all, we are in this rabbit hole. We look around and we're like, oh my gosh, they got this, they got this. Going on today at church, man, and we we get we get trapped in this, and then what do we do when we start looking at other people? What's it breathe? Oh, I've got to get that. I got so I've got to work hard and get this my way so I can get that. It's like ah, oh, our country, our people, like oh my goodness. Jesus is saying, hey, life is a lot more than material things. We're not just biology. He is saying. Oh, Look to me. He's like, look to me. You can't believe serve God. I'm like, look to me. I have a lot. I, I satisfy so much more than looking around. So 
how are you doing with your stuff? I would ask, you know, write that down. How are you doing with your stuff? Are you constantly looking at how are you doing? Because if you're in this keeping with the Jones mentality, you might be falling into the first thing he's addressing here. Argument number two, verse 27, he says, and I'll be brief on this one, anxiety doesn't add life, it subtracts it. All right, it's really blunt. Jesus is actually like, I look at this and I'm like, what in the world? He says, and which of you can be anxious can add a single hour span to his life? Like, did Jesus know what he was talking about? Like, if you, if you went into a doctor's office and said, hey, doctor, I want to I wanna live forever. I want to live to at least 150. What's the secret? And he said, I got the secret. Come here, come here, lean in here. Freak out. Just freak out, man. Just be all anxious and be worried. And, and man, that just really just helps your life. No. Matter of fact, what we have found, like literally, like that, Jesus is really personal. Like literally, you look into this idea, people who are anxious live long, they live less. I mean, literally, the anxiety cripple, it leads to other kind of heartaches and, and, and grief. So I love it that Jesus is saying, hey, guys, uh, by the way, let me just get really, really practical with you. Don't be anxious because it's going to subtract from your life. It doesn't, it doesn't help your heart, literally. Um, and so I found that argument really interesting. And then he says in argument 3, verse 26 through 30, this one is fascinating. He brings in, he brings in anxiety and birds and flowers. So he talks about anxiety, and he's going to bring in birds and flowers. Where in the world? Like you pick up any anxiety book today, and you, where is that chapter? It's like, where's the chapter that's out of, oh, birds and flowers on dealing with anxiety? It's like, what? No. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Why would you start talking about these birds and these flowers? But what's really interesting, when he says, um, look at the birds, when he says, look at the birds, um, John Stott, John Stott, who's, if, if you need someone to read, look at some John Stott. I would recommend anything from John Stott, amazing reformed theologian and commentator. He, he said, and he's an avid bird watcher. He, he says this on this verse. He says, consider the fowls of the air, said Jesus, according to the AB. And, and this in basic English could be translated, watch birds. Indeed, I'm quite serious, he says, for the Greek verb in this command means fix your eyes on as so to take a good look at the birds. Let, I mean, he says the same thing and, and when he goes down to the lilies. He's like, look at, take a good, long, hard look at the lilies. So what are, I mean, why? Why are we to look at? Why are we to look at these these birds? Why? Literally, John Stott would say, "Go birding today. Go go look at the lilies today." And why? It's because look at the bird. Like the bird's not running around frantic. I was like, "Where's my squirrel? I'm gonna save up my 401k. My kids, they gotta get this guy. The birds aren't running around frantic. Birds are eating. The lilies are not like, oh my goodness, did these petals fit this? I don't know. My petals." Are they beautiful enough? Do I need more petals? No. They're not, they're not worried. And yet, here is, the, here is the amazing thing. The point is, God provides for these birds. Like, I know this sounds elementary, but we need to hear this. God provides for the birds, and he's going to clothe the lilies, and they're not made in the image of God, but you are. We are. And he's saying, if I'm going to care for these birds, and I'm going to care for these, like, how much more am I going to care for you? And he's getting at this idea of, of the idea of the birds and the flowers of God's providence. The idea of this theological concept of God's providence. And I love what R.C. Sproul here says on God's providence. Track with me. Stay with me. He says this. When we speak theologically of the providence of God, we speak we, we speak of that means by which God governs the entire universe. That means by which he is his sovereignty. He leaves no maverick molecule running loose outside of his sovereign authority. <laughs> That's amazing. So what he's saying is like God is governing. God is governing everything in creation. 
He is holding it up by his providence for your good. And he is saying again, Jesus is saying, again, if I'm going to feed a bird, if I'm going to make sure a bird, like, does that, I mean, let's try it. You go, maybe go try it today. Do what John Slott says. Go out today, and maybe some of us need to go and just sit and just relax and watch a bird. I know that sounds weird, but maybe it happens because you just need to sit and watch a bird because you need to think, oh my goodness, my heavenly father is taking care of that bird. Like Ray and Owen went outside trying to kill birds this morning. And, and, and you know, like, so, <laughs> I love it, boys. Keep that, keep that fire. But, like, isn't it crazy that the, those birds, like, God knew that maybe those boys were trying to kill those birds today. Like, and that bird, like, he knew that bird. Guys, he loves you. He loves you. He, you're made in his image. The bird isn't. The lily's not. You are made in his image. He is taking care of this creation. So he's going to take care of you. So he's saying, Jesus' point is, I want you to look around at this bird. Take a deep breath. I'm taking care of him. I'm going to take care of you. And so, and then the fourth argument, he says in 33, I mean 30 and 32, small faith is a breeding ground. Small faith is a breeding ground for anxiety. That's argument number four. So you see here, it says in verse 3, it says, Oh, you of little faith. And that phrase, Oh, you of little faith, had been used four other times in the book of Matthew. Um, it's when the disciples, you know, he, he, uh, he yelled at them for um, them freaking out about him controlling the storm, about Peter walking on the water. Um, when they were freaking out, like, Jesus, you know, can you make the bread? And this was in Matthew 14. It's the same phrase, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. And very bluntly, he just calls, very bluntly here, he's just calling anxiety unbelief. See, when we have, and, and if, actually if you jump down, he says anxiety really is doubting God's fathering ability. That's really what it is. I mean, that's, I mean if we're just to be honest, like that's, that's what's kind of happening here because he's saying, hey, hey, oh, you look like, you know, he brings in this idea of vulnerability. And I, I just started thinking about that. Like, I'm not uh, an all-star dad. Right? You know, Lord Edmonds, you know, woo, parenting is tough. Yeah. Um, amen. <laughs> amen. Like, woo, you have kids to show you how messed up you are. I'm convinced that's what happens. You know, and then you daily need to fall and say, Jesus, help me. Um, and so kids are for your sanctification. Um, but, like, I'm not very good at that, but I would be, my heart would break if my kids were running around the home frantic that I was going to provide for them. Like, no way in the world would I ever want that to happen. Like, I, my kids, they, they know that I'm, we're going to feed them and clothe them. But yet, I mean, again, think about this. So when we start getting wrapped up in this design, we're, God's perfect way better father than us. Way better than us. And why in the world would we just say, oh, no, like, we need to remember he is a father in God. He uses that analogy, father, for a reason. To let you know that I, hey, hey, child, hey, child, take a deep breath, okay? Take a deep breath. I'm caring for you. I am fathering you. So don't have little faith. Have faith on me. I'm God. I'm taking care of the universe. I can take care of you. Okay? Uh, argument number five, and this is the most profound. Verse 33, he says this. Seek the kingdom. You want to crush anxiety? Seek the kingdom. This verse is literally, again, I said the key in the whole chapter. It could be something. It's the key in the whole Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God. So, I mean, it's... This, many people put this verse on coffee mugs and it's their life verse. Um, but what I found really interesting is one pastor, one pastor that I, I read said he took two years. He literally took two years and did nothing but read all the stuff on anxiety and worry that he could. Like two, four years. Did he read, I mean, tons of books. All this study about, he went into the, uh, the sociological, the, the the, the biological, the theological, the psychological, all the logicals of uh, 
of anxiety, and he just went all into it for two full years, and he came out and said 99% of them, 99% of them talked about how if, if you're going to crush anxiety and you're going to take care of anxiety, what you need to do is think more of yourself. Now, there is a very, very, very small uh, truth in there that, yeah, you need to take care of your bodies, you need to think, you need to go take care of your body, but Jesus goes a totally different direction to crush anxiety. What he does is he totally flips the script and he gets the eyes completely off yourself. Literally, like, you look at Jesus, and, you, you, and he says, okay, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek. It's this idea of seek, 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 seek. And, and did, did Jesus live this out well, of seeking first the kingdom of God? Uh, yeah. I mean, look at it. When everyone else, think about it, when everyone else is running frantic, oh, Jesus, we got no bread. Jesus is like, well, there's a boy here, a fish, <laughs> you know, and a loaf. When, when, you know, and think about it. Jesus is literally sleeping on a boat. Okay? Jesus is literally sleeping on a boat. It's <laughs> free. And in the midst of a storm. Everyone else, what are they doing? They're losing their minds. But then you look at Jesus, and this is interesting. So, when everyone's freaking out, Jesus seems to be cool. But when Jesus is freaking out, everyone else seems to be cool. For example, when, when, when they come into towns and they see demon possession, Jesus is hot and he's ready. He is coming after that. He's seeing people sick and in need. What's he doing? He is rushing to them. He sees people defiling the temple and, and, and doing that. He takes time, builds a whip, and drives them out. So what, what is happening here? This is what's happening. Jesus is understanding. He's like, I am seeking first kingdom things. I am putting in my mind kingdom things, not earthly things. Look at Matthew 10, 28. He says this. Do not fear those who can kill the soul. Rather, fear, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So Jesus is saying, look at Jesus is saying, you're worried about all these physical things, which are again here today and gone tomorrow, and I'm sovereign over. He's saying, stop. Stop. And think about the kingdom instead. Guys, I am convinced, like, I'm just preaching to myself up here, like, ugh. Like, when I start getting pumped up with anxiety, my chest is starting to, ah, what am I doing? I'm looking horizontal at life. I'm just, I'm thinking life is just, I'm in, I'm in the driver's seat. It's all about what I'm doing and what I, material things and how in my own strength I'm doing these things. And it's just, you know, myself and me and me. I'm looking in. It's all about me. And, and what begins to happen to anxiety, you want to really just stomp on its head, you'll start doing this. Oh, man, God. And you start looking up. And you start saying, hey, God, here, here's my hands today. You're not starting your day. Picking your phone up. I, I read this this week. This is crazy. The average person touches their phone 200 or 2,200 times a day. 2,200 times a day. That's insane. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in that group. Like, just, again, I'm not saying, oh, yeah. no. I'm in that group. And you know what majority of the time you touching your phone is saying? It's, it's pointing to you. You, 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 you. So 2,200 times a day, it's about you. You, 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 you. Most of the time. And what Jesus is saying is like, no, stop, stop, stop. It's not about you. It's actually not about you. This life is actually not about you. It's about my kingdom and my glory being expanded throughout the earth. So, child of God, sit. Wake up in the morning. Get on your knees. Get your Bible open. And this is, this is what I need, guys. I need this. We need to say, God... This is crazy that you are even giving me breath again to breathe. And I actually get to walk out this door now, and I get to join you on your mission to expand and build the kingdom. And when you have a kingdom mindset, the, 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 the things that often want to fill your life with anxiety, material, and your kids, and yourself, oh, am I good enough? Like, ah, they didn't fall in. Because your eyes are on the kingdom. Your eyes are on Expanding the kingdom, as Jesus says. 
And then finally, and we'll end with this last one. Argument six. Live today. Live today. There's grace for tomorrow. Live it today because there's grace for tomorrow. Verse 34 is like, you read it and it's like, ah. Like, you sure, Jesus? Like, don't question Jesus, by the way. That never goes well. Never goes well. But yeah, I kind of like, you sure you want to end like this? Like, I've got a master's degree in seminary, Jesus. Are you sure? Like, they tell us if you look it up, like, are you sure? Because it's, it's crazy. He says right here, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. It's like, don't worry about tomorrow, okay? For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. <laughs> sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's literally guaranteeing you. He's like, oh, by the way, tomorrow you're going to have trouble. Tomorrow there's going to be trouble. But I, I love it. Jesus is keeping us from what can you use again. I love what he says this. He says he's keeping us from the, the wind syndrome. The wind syndrome. And he says this. When things are going to be trouble-free, when I get married, when I get that job, when I'm done with school, when my kids finally start behaving, when I have children. It's like, no, it's crazy to think that you can live a, a, a problem-free life. Like, I don't care how much kale you've eaten. All right? Or what greens you got going on, or what new diet you got. You know, I'm running, I got my sit-ups going on. Like, I got essential oils going in my house. Like, somebody do that here? I'm sorry. Like, uh, anyway, but I got all the, you know, the right habits. It's like, hold it. You ain't in control. And he is saying right here, and I actually love this, guys, because what the Christian life is promising, and what we get to promise people is this. Hey, by the way, there's actually going to be pain for tomorrow. There actually might be some things for tomorrow. And um, guess what? Grace will meet you there. I love what Lamentations 3.21-24 says this. He says this. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So if you know this verse, we quote a lot, but what's the next phrase? His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. I'm going to say it again. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Guys, here's the truth. There's probably going to be a dark day, maybe, tomorrow. There's probably going to be, I mean, what are you saying? With the gospel, like, what the Bible says, like, it's never not going to have tough times in your life. But what Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about tomorrow because there's going to be sufficient grace there. I am going to meet you in those times. So be still. Rest in today because I am giving you grace to live today. Today. I want you to live today. He's saying, I'm going to deal with all those problems. So live in grace today. And I just want to again remind us of something. Let me remind you that when God dealt, like, think of all the, the, the things that would might cause you anxiety, the biggest problems. Think of them up. You stir them up in your brain. There's grace. God's going to, his father to care. He knows it. He loves you. He's going to work through that. He's going to, he wants you to cast that on him. But I want you to remember that there is not a, the single greatest problem in the world. That just blows my mind. You think of problems and things that come to us, like, oh, this is a problem. But the biggest problem, what was the biggest problem? The biggest problem in the entire world, which is separation from God, sin. Jesus dealt with it. The biggest problem that we can face is the effects of sin on us and the, the, the weight of sin. Christ dealt with by coming to the cross, bearing it. Bearing it. I loved it that our renewal time said, or sure some parts said, it, our sin bore in his body. He bore it. He, he took it. 
He took it so that you could say, okay, Lord, whew, got this and got I'm casting upon you. Ephesians 4, 6. I'm casting upon I'm giving it to you. Help me. Strengthen me. Give me the strength today to live for your glory. Taking my eyes off the things around me and putting them on me. Because he cares for you guys. He's a father who cares. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you again for this text and I thank you for just the ways that um, you do father us. And often, God, I'm going to be honest, like, again, it's so, sometimes I, uh, this is hard. My eyes look around and I get caught in that material thing, Lord, and help us, Jesus, to rest today. Rest in the fact of your saving work, Jesus. Rest in the fact that there is not a problem in our lives that your grace is not can't heal or give us the power to get through. Lord, you hold this day literally in your hands. The, the, I am only breathing and talking because you're alive. We take ourselves way too seriously. We give ourselves way too much power. And we're just saying, we're sorry for that. And we're, we're needing, again, a shift of the gaze of our hearts, the gaze of our eyes upon the Lord, Lord of why we're here on this earth. It's for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as we... Uh, as we approach the table this morning, I was thinking about um, this passage of seeking first his kingdom. Seeking first his kingdom. And see, remember, uh, anxiety, all right, anxiety normally comes out of the ground of unbelief. I mean, we just said that, in unbelief. But our text said, well, okay, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. They okay, seek first his kingdom. And I could not think, I mean, really, can, can I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's an argument for a better way of seeking first his kingdom than putting our eyes again upon what he's done for us. The fact that Jesus literally broke his body, he broke his body. Again, so you don't have to go through that trying to break and trying to earn, break, break myself to get to God. No, that he broke his body so that you could have access to God. He literally shed his blood. He shed his blood for us, guys. That our sins, that our anxieties, that the weight of our souls could be covered. And so I want to invite you into this table. And I want to remind us again that, guys, this table, okay, is not, it's, it's not the table of Grace Lincoln. It's not the table of the Presbyterian Church. This is Christ's table. This is an open table for anyone who, who is saying, you know what? I'm a sinner in need of God's grace, and I trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, and I am walking in faith, filled with the Spirit after me. This is for those that need, that know I'm broken and I'm in need of what is, what is being represented here. And so we find the words actually of the institution. When God instituted this amazing sacrament in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, where he says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body. This is my body, which is for you. Do this. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup. After saying, this is the cup. This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Father, so Lord, we come to this table thanking you that you have instituted this. This was you instituting this for us, for our good. A time where we are needing to remember 
I need to remember that. Again, what He's done for us. But we don't graduate from this, Lord. Would you renew in us? I know, like, so many times, sometimes it's, oh, it's the first and third month of, you know, we're going to take communion. And, no, Lord, help us never to lose awe and wonder and, and that we would approach this with reverence. This is literally what binds us together is your death and resurrection is what binds us. So, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, move Bless these elements, bless the partakers, Lord, help this to stir, bring us into your presence by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we use, just a reminder, we use intinction here, and so intinction is, it's a big fancy word, uh, but it's, it's, it's very simple. You're just going to, when your heart's ready, when your heart's ready, you're just going to come forward. And so you don't need to rush, we got time, we're going to play some music. You just want to get your heart ready, spend some time with the Lord. And when you're ready, you'll come forward and you'll tear a piece of the bread. You'll tear a piece of the bread and then you'll 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 dip it, turn it to the cup and dip it in the cup and then walk back to your pew. Alright? You good with that? Okay, Jay's good. So when your heart is ready, you can come forward and we'll be standing over here.
sacrament. Thank you, given for giving it to us. In Jesus' name. We come now to a time of continuing our worship through tithes and offering. And so 2 Corinthians 8, 8 through 9. I want to test the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So I just I want you to reflect on that. Through, through his poverty, you became rich. And so I would encourage you, I would just encourage you, if your heart is stirred again, because God has poured out his blessings upon us. And if your heart is stirred to give again for your good, it's for your good. And again, it's for the advancement of the kingdom. There's envelopes in the back, and there's also a sign of how to give online in the back. So I would encourage you to do for your good. But if you would continue to uh, worship with us as we sing our closing hymn, How Deep the Father's Love.
Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com. Thank you.